You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. How's everyone doing this morning? Doing okay? So, um, you know, we're, we're a big family, and so we have lots of things that are always happening, always going on. Um, you know, just want to always share and keep people updated. So we have one more thing I just wanted to talk about before we jump into my message, and that is just that um, our dear, beloved friend Nancy Kluth passed away on Friday. Um, if you if you remember, uh, Jim, her husband passed. It was actually three months to the day we realized on Friday he just passed away three months ago. And Nancy, I mean, just. It's shocking, really, because uh, in, in many ways she was seemingly fine, and then just over a period of three weeks, uh, just one thing stacked after the other. And uh, so Friday, I, I was um, privileged to be with the Arquettes and their family at the hospital when she passed on Friday in Burlington. So if we can just continue to lift their family up in prayer. Um, and then just, it's such a reminder, you know, life just keeps moving, doesn't it? Sometimes when you have earth-shattering moments, it's, it's like the, the world should stop, but it doesn't. And even in the seasons like this, the Christmas season, our holidays, like we all, we all have great memories of holidays. We all have uh, things that we love to celebrate in this time, but it's also a difficult time because everybody has experienced loss. Everybody has experienced grief. And there's this constant thing in life, and I, I really see it, it's in the scripture, we know it from Jesus, that joy and pain are married together. There's almost never one without the other. So if you're searching for the day, well, there is a day. <laughs> we don't know when, but there will be a day. But on this side, on earth, in our lives, on this side of heaven, I don't know if there's a day where we'll just wake up and be like, oh, all pain is gone. But in the midst of that pain, there can be joy. There can be celebration. There can be this fulfillment that God still brings in our lives. That is what being a part of what God is doing and being close to him, that's what you realize in the midst of such tragic moments. There's still, you're not lost. You're not in despair. You're not, you're not lost forever. It doesn't mean there isn't grief and difficulty and pain, but it, it means that you're not stuck there. And so I would just encourage you, in this season, even as much as we want to focus on the good and the celebration and remembering what Jesus has done and Christmas and all the memories we're still making, let's take moments throughout our, our next few weeks to be reminded that people are struggling. People are in the midst of difficult moments. And so just be aware of that. Encourage people. Lift one another up, right? That's what um, Philippians teaches. It says, pray for all believers everywhere. It's like we should be praying for one another all the time. Whenever someone's on your heart, pray for them. Lift them up. Um, and so let's continue to lift up uh, the Arquettes and the Kloofs. Of course, we don't really know arrangements or anything. We'll be putting that out on our on our email and just pay attention to the Facebook page. Um, we'll be doing that. So, all right. How's everyone else doing? Doing Okay. Um, I have a really fun message this morning. Uh, honestly, this is one of the, the most controversial topics 
in Christianity today. Well, it's been for a long time, actually. I'm going to be speaking about praying in the Spirit or speaking in tongues. If you got your notes, you already came in. If you were overly offended by this idea, you probably would have noticed and left already. So, But I, I want to come at this in, in a teaching way because I'll just start right from the get-go. As a church, as an individual, we absolutely believe in this gift. Now, church history has fluctuated for you know, hundreds of years when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, there are times where, you know, it's really uh, uh, important and uh, accentuated kind of like throughout history. You'll see it in certain moments throughout church history. And then there's moments where it kind of falls away and, and it seems like it's been forgotten or even just ignored. And, and really in the last 40 to 50 years, late 60s, there was a resurgence in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, at least in, you know, Western religion, Western Christianity. And since then, there has, you know, been some movements that have come out of that. Our, our movement, in a sense, we would be a part of a church, you know, just that would be called charismatic. You know, some of you might be like, oh, are we really charismatic? Yes, we are. Um, which is kind of in a larger grouping called Pentecostal, which simply believes in the Pentecost, right? We're going to talk about the day of Pentecost today in Acts 2. Which just means that we believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. That God is using the gifts of the Spirit to still spread His gospel, to still spread His message. Now, there's a whole, now most mainline churches, and when I say mainline churches, um, I would be talking you know, the Catholic Church, the Methodist Church. Uh, Presbyterians, all of those churches that have existed in denominational structures for a lot of years, all of them believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, including speaking in tongues. Now, many of your experiences, if you've come from any of those mainline backgrounds, you would probably have heard about the Holy Spirit, but mostly those denominations, and I say mostly, not everywhere and not every church, but mostly the gifts of the Spirit, especially the one called speaking in tongues, has just kind of been pushed aside and ignored. Why? It's pretty self-explanatory. It's a little weird. And so what happens is when we don't understand something, we often just don't deal with it. Right? I mean, we do that in life in many ways. And Christianity has done that. So there's this gift of the Spirit you know, speaking in tongues, and sometimes it's just weird or difficult to explain, and or if we haven't experienced it ourselves, Christianity has kind of pushed it to the side and just like, okay, we still believe in the Holy Spirit, but we're just going to set that over here and just not talk about it. So most mainline churches, we would have the same belief system. We're, we're considered orthodox Christian believers here. Um, we just, the baseline of Christianity, we would all agree on. Now, then there's some other denominations, and I'll just, if, you know, if this offends you, sorry if you come from a Baptist background. But Baptists are the ones that, would, that created something called cessationism. Okay, and cessationism is this idea that at some point in history, the gifts of the Holy Spirit ceased. Okay, that's where it, that word comes from. The reason they believe that, and there's one scripture, I want to refer to it today just because I want you to understand the background of where people come from. It's really from 1 Corinthians 13, 
which you which you've if you've ever been to a wedding, you've probably heard scriptures read from 1 Corinthians 13. It's the love chapter, right? And it's verse 8 and 9, and I'll read this in the New Living. It says this, prophecy and speaking in unknown languages, speaking in tongues, and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when full understanding comes, these partial things will become useless. Some other versions say, when what is perfect is made complete, these things will pass away. And so we, we see this kind of reference from Paul in, in the book of Corinthians that there's this moment where they'll become useless or where things will pass away. And so cessationists believe that has occurred. Now, when, when what is made perfect or when what is perfect is made complete, that's kind of the language from the King James Version or New King James Version, what most of those people believe is that when the Bible was canonized, meaning when the scriptures were put together for the first time, which happened around five to 600 A.D., five to 600 years after Jesus, the Bible scriptures were all put together and believed to be scripture. Now, I'm not talking about the Old Testament. I'm talking about the New Testament added to the Old Testament. When that happened, a lot of people started to believe, okay, the scriptures now replace the gifts of the Spirit. We don't need the gifts of the Spirit anymore because we have the Scriptures. I just wholeheartedly disagree. Uh, I absolutely believe that the Scriptures are important and uh, like the basis of our faith, <laughs> but it does not replace the Holy Spirit. And I, I wanted to talk about this because there is a danger that happens when we go down that line. And I want to talk about that danger just for a minute before I get into this whole teaching on speaking in tongues. Throughout human history, we have endeavored to always place something between us and God. We're afraid of him. That's the reality. And so from day one, things began to, you know, from, well, from at least... You know, the moment where we ate the apple and disobeyed God in that moment, we've tried to keep something between us and God. And, and the first sign of that was, you know, they got kicked out of the garden, which was this dwelling place with the presence of God. They got kicked out of the garden, and then there was these, you know, angels that said they were there to, with flaming swords of fire that kept them from the garden. So immediately there was this separation from God, and it was their choice, right? They disobeyed. They chose to be separate from God's design for them. And from history till now, we've always placed something. If you get to the Israelites, they, they, they didn't have a king, right? And there was these moments they would come, right? They'd go to Samuel. Samuel was a prophet. Even before Samuel... They would say, hey, you go and find out what God wants. So they would say to Moses, you go up the mountain and see what he wants. Do you know that they were invited up the mountain to see God with Moses? And they all said no. They did. It's in there. Read it in Exodus. They literally said, no, no, you go. Just tell us what he says. Because mostly we've been afraid of God for human history. And we take things and we're like, God, you stay over there. We'll put this thing in between us. And then there's just kind of this safe relationship. I want to say that if we take the scriptures and replace the Holy Spirit with the, this book, we've just put another thing between us and God. So instead of going to God, you just get to go to a book about him. That is a very big danger. 
this book should point you to God. You should come to the scriptures, the holy scriptures. You should read about someone who is deeply in love with you. And instead of just wanting to keep reading about him, you should go and find him. You should find him in prayer and in relationship and in, in the world around us. You see it in Paul's words in Romans, right? He talks about even nature. He says, anyone who's seen the sun and the moon and the stars, they have no excuse for not knowing God. Because we're supposed to be searching for God. We're supposed to be searching for a relationship with him. But yet, in Christianity and throughout our design, is, or throughout human history, we've taken things and we've put them between us and God. And to replace the Holy Spirit with the scriptures is a bad idea. Okay? Can we just agree? Just say, yeah. If you don't agree, you don't have to tell me. And so I wanted to start on just this understanding of who we are as humans and even our, the historical cycles of Christianity and why we've taken the gifts of the Spirit and pushed them aside. And it really is because we're uncomfortable. The closer you get to God, it, it gets uncomfortable at times. Because intimacy with anyone requires vulnerability. It requires us kind of peeling back the layers of who we are and letting someone in close and deep to us. And to, to try and do that with God is a lifelong endeavor, but it's also, it feels like a dangerous one. And I think that when we look at the gifts of the Spirit and we look at these inexplainable things that God will do, whether it's healing or prophecy or speaking in tongues, it, it makes us so uncomfortable, it's just easier to say, you know, let's just sing the songs on Sunday. Why do you have to talk about that stuff? Well, it's in the Bible. Sorry, we got to do it. Because we look at the scripture and it does point us to who God is and what he wants from us and what he expects from us and what he's trying to create in us. And, and I'll just, I want to say even, as I'm about to get into now speaking in tongues, that we've, we suffer from the same cycle. If you were here in the 90s, many messages were on this which probably got us many rumors, and that's okay. But then if you look, I, I just, the truth is I take it for granted. And so I don't think about this, but sometimes I'll, I'll be meeting with people and talking, and I start to realize, wow, large groups of people don't understand what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. I want to give you my experience before I get into anything else with this, okay? So I grew up in this church my whole life. My parents... I don't know, it was probably just a few weeks old when I came to church for the first time here. And I went to the Christian school. We had a Christian school, New, Tes uh, yeah, New Testament Christian Academy, all right, NTCA. And I was in uh, first grade, and I loved to talk a lot. And I got in trouble. We had, we had you know, like a really, uh, you know, strict system here. If I had to go to the bathroom, I had to turn one of my smiley faces upside down. And you had three smiley faces, and if you turned three upside down, you were in trouble. You had to stay for detention, okay? And one of those was if you talked out a turn. Well, that was me all the time. And when I would do it too many times, one of the things you do to get in trouble is they would send you out in the hall, and I'd have to sit on the stairs. So if you go down the fellowship hall, you know those short stairs that are kind of going up into the old building on the other far side? 
my classroom was right there. Right now it's a big open room. But my classroom was right there. And I got in trouble. I think it was probably Mrs. Frigo. You didn't hear Mrs. Frigo? Sorry. I still call her Mrs. Frigo, right? And uh, I, I got sent out to sit on the steps. And I don't even know, remember if it was talking out of turn. But I was in trouble for something. And Mrs. Quinville was out there. Mrs. Quinville. If you know her, cheer for her now. She's in heaven. Okay? Mrs. Quinville was out there. And she came to sit by me. And I remember her asking me what I did wrong. I, don't, I honestly don't remember why or what I did. But her solution for me in that moment, because I remember I was like, I didn't want to be in trouble, but I just kept getting in trouble, right? I kept doing what I wasn't supposed to do, whatever that was. And I was sad about it, but I, for some reason I didn't know how to stop. And she, I remember this. She said, do you, do you want help stopping? I was like, yeah. She's like, well, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. Now, listen, I'm in first grade. I'm like, what are you talking about? I mean, I have no idea what she's talking about. But I want to tell you this. It was probably a good thing. Because I want to tell you why speaking in tongues is difficult for all of us. It's because we think too much. And so here I am, a first grader. I don't think that much yet. And she tells me, I'm going to pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit to come into your life, and you're going to speak in a new language. And I'm like, okay. And she prays for me on those steps. I'm in trouble, right? Like, this is not like a big service. Someone comes, lays hands on you or something. I'm in trouble sitting on steps in the Christian Academy. And she prays for me, and I began to speak in tongues. I've spoken in tongues my whole life since. Now, I want to begin to get into description of this. But I want to give you my experience, and I want to start to talk about what does this look like and why does this thing even exist? Why is this here? But let's start in John 14. I want to um, just hit a few things that Jesus says because it's the first and foremost important thing. What is Jesus telling us to do? What is he saying? So John 14, Jesus speaks to the Holy Spirit. This is verse 15 to 16. He says, um, if you love me, obey my commandments. Verse 15. And then 16, Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So one of the things I want to dispel first this morning is this. If you know Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. As a church, I absolutely do not believe in this idea that if you do not speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. I, I, if you, for some reason, have had that ingrained in you from a different denomination, that this idea that speaking in tongues is synonymous with being filled with the Spirit, it is not. Okay? I can prove it through Scripture. I would love to talk to you. I'm not going to go far into it. But this Scripture, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit's with you now. But later will be in you. And we see, and then he starts to invite us into this relationship, this kind of cohabitational relationship with the Father, with the Son, and with the Spirit. And so the Spirit wants to live in us, which means that what he does is in us. And what we see is that the Holy Spirit has gifts. So those gifts are within you, which means those gifts can come out of you. And so we see that the 
that the Holy Spirit comes to reside in every one of us, and he says later he'll be in you. I, I do believe that every one of us has the Holy Spirit, but that there's actual subsequent also experiences with him, as in any relationship. You don't just meet someone in a relationship, and that's all that ever happens. If a relationship progresses, you get closer and closer. There's more experiences you have with that relationship. So there's more experiences to be had with God, with our Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit wants to live within us. And he is the one that Jesus has sent to every one of us. You know, we always say, I, I'm, I'm asking Jesus into my heart. You didn't really ask him into your heart. The Holy Spirit's in there. Jesus is with God. So the Holy Spirit's the one that's living and residing inside every one of us and actually empowers every one of us to be Christian, empowers every one of us to be transformed, empowers every one of us to see the fruits of the Spirit, and also can empower every one of us to experience the gifts of the Spirit. Mark 16, Jesus, we'll read that real quick. Just because Jesus does mention this specific gift. In Mark 16, Verse 17, he says, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. I'm still working on this list, so don't feel bad. They will cast out demons, and they will speak in new languages. We don't need to go down because the rest of them are weird. But they will speak. Well, the next one is they'll handle snakes and not be bitten. So, you know, the churches that have practiced that, that's why they get that. I would say don't do that, okay? But Jesus is listing these kind of impossible situations, and one of them is this They'll speak in unknown languages. That something will occur in them that they'll be able to speak in a language they didn't understand before. So now let's turn to Acts 2 to see this played out um, on the day of Pentecost. So what we have here in Acts 2 is Jesus' disciples, his followers, they've just spent, you know, Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. He spent about 40 days with his disciples again. And now he's saying, listen, I'm going to be with my father. And there's this scene that takes place in Acts 1 where you know, it says that he's, you know, he's, he goes into the heavens and the disciples are there staring at him as he goes off into the sky, which I still can't quite imagine this scenario, but it would be amazing. And then you see actually the disciples kind of keep standing there too long that Jesus sends two, two angels down. And the angels go, why are you still staring into the sky? You're supposed to go do what Jesus told you to do. And so they're like, oh yeah, we're supposed to go in. And, and he said, go into the city and pray and wait for whom I'm going to send you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. So they go in, and they're in this upper room. I've actually been in the, the room in Israel, in old Jerusalem. Um, really neat place. You know, obviously it's the one they suspect it was. And they're in this room, and they're praying. And this is the story that takes place. So let's start. I'm going to read a bunch of verses. Acts 2, verse 1. It says, on the day of Pentecost... All the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem, when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, and then just lists a whole bunch of different places. 
All the way down to verse 11. Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk. That's all. <laughs> so listen, it's okay if you get accused of being drunk. Just don't be. Um, so we see this situation take place. We see this, the Holy Spirit come, and it's, again, this is like, we're trying to get a picture. It says, what looked like tongues or flames of fire are, are over each person. I, I'm sure, I imagine this was a very wild situation. But they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them this ability. So the thing I want to teach us first today about speaking in tongues is this. There are two different speaking in tongues gifts. The first one is this, that we see on the day of Pentecost. And that is being given the ability to speak other languages you don't know, but other people know. Okay? This would be the coolest gift. I don't have this gift. I've never seen this gift, actually. I've never experienced anybody else with this particular speaking in tongues gift. I have heard stories of this gift. The, the idea of if I went to Columbia in January and began to preach, and the Holy Spirit just kind of took over and I was able to speak Spanish, that would be super cool. But I, I, I have never experienced that gift. That is the first understanding of speaking in tongues that we see in Scripture. Now, I've heard stories that that happens today still. I believe that it can happen and does happen. I just have never seen it myself. And so we see that, and you've got this gift as the first thing that we see in speaking tongues. Now I want to turn to 1 Corinthians 12, which is what I want to kind of land a little more on today, because I, I do believe in speaking in tongues, but this is the second various um, speaking in tongues. I want to kind of give you that. Oops, 1 Corinthians 12. So 1 Corinthians 12 28, um, this is Paul, and he's talking about the body of Christ, and he's talking about the gifts. So he says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts that God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers. Then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, and those who speak in unknown languages. And so then he goes on. To say, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Another version in there, it says this, then the gifts of healing, helping, and, and it says, and various kinds of tongues. One of the translations of the ESV says, and various kinds of tongues. I believe there's different gifts when it comes to speaking in tongues. One is that you're able to speak in a language that is spoken somewhere else on this earth and someone's going to understand and God could give you that ability in the right moment. The other one is what we see kind of mentioned at the beginning of chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. And this is, we've probably heard this, it says, if I could speak all languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. We start to see throughout Scripture, and we'll, you see it in Romans, um, you see it through almost every letter, that there's this idea of a spiritual language that God can give us. The gift of praying in the Spirit, being able to speak in the Spirit. And that, that is a language that no one on earth understands, but that heaven understands, that the Spirit understands. 
And I wanna, that's what I want to land on. That's the, that's the experience of my life. That is the experience of what most people think when they're saying speaking in tongues or praying in the Spirit. They're, they're talking about this idea of God giving this heavenly language to each one of us. And it's this place where our spirit is now praying through us, connecting with God's spirit. And I want to kind of read a couple scriptures that go into that. So Romans 8, 26, 28. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It might be on the screen behind me. Romans 8, 26, 28. This is Paul. He says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. We see this, this place where the Spirit that has come now to live in every one of us that there's this place where that spirit can pray for us, can pray through us. And we may not understand. It says groanings that can't be understood. But there's this place where it says God hears it. God knows it. God knows what's happening. And you see, my own experience when it comes to speaking tongues, and I wanted to kind of divide these two gifts I just talked about. One is this gift where you're given the lang- you know, a language that someone understands. That is a public gift. Then there's this language where the Holy Spirit comes in and he speaks through us. It's a spiritual language that only God understands. This gift, I believe, is a private gift. Most of you probably have rarely, if ever, heard me speak in tongues. I'm never going to get up on this mic and probably just shout out in tongues randomly. I actually can't even imagine what it would feel like. Now, I have... I have moments where I feel like God speaks to me and gives me a prophetic word for someone. I know what it feels like when God's directing me in those ways. Since I've, I don't believe that I have that gift, at least currently, to speak in a different language someone's going to understand, I'm rarely ever going to shout out in tongues, if ever. I never have, actually. Now, but I pray in private, in the Spirit, all the time. We see this in Ephesians 6. I think I put that in your notes. Down at the bottom, it says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Most mornings I wake up, and the first moments that I spend in prayer, I'm praying in tongues. Want to know why? Because I can't think straight yet. And I've learned that if I want to come to Jesus, if I want to come to the Father with the right heart, centered on the right things, it's best to let my spirit be the one doing the leading, not my mind and emotions. And that's what praying in the Spirit is. It's this place where we've, we've set aside our mind and our emotions and our thinking and we just say okay god the spirit's in me let that spirit be the one who guides me in this place i mean every service i'm right here and as i come up to speak you you probably see me i do the same thing i put my stuff here i wander the back of the stage the whole time i'm speaking in tongues sometimes i think to myself i hope the mics aren't on but it's this private moment where for me, when I speak in tongues, when I'm praying in the Spirit, I know that God is centering me because, listen, I don't ever want to get up here and give you my thoughts. This is not opinion time with Greg Hurlbut. This is a moment where I believe the Holy Spirit, that the Father wants to speak to us, and so I pray that every word that comes out of my mouth is from Him, not from me. 
So I believe right now as I'm speaking to you, the Holy Spirit is the one doing the job. People congratulate me all the time. Oh, such a great message. I'm like, man, it wasn't me. And that's the real truth. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to follow me. You want to follow the Holy Spirit. You want to follow God. And my desire is that the Holy Spirit is the one leading this church. He, Jesus is the head of the church. The Holy Spirit is the one leading us. And so everything I say, I hope, is coming from the Holy Spirit. And so the best way I know how to make sure that it is not just Greg Hurlba getting up here is I want to speak in tongues. I want that spirit that's within me to be the thing at the front of everything I do and say. And so the more I let the spirit in control of me, the better I'm going to be as a follower of Christ. And so I spend any moments I can speaking in tongues. You know, sometimes when we talk about, I've talked about before, praying for my daughter. You know, I believe in healing. I've been praying for my two children that have severe autism their entire lives. But I'll tell you what, I get to this place where I get discouraged because I pray in English for them to be healed, but I don't see what I'm praying for. And so there's times where I just don't know what to say anymore. The best thing I can do is pray in the Spirit. And so sometimes as my daughter's sitting in the car next to me and she's listening to Bob the Builder for the 15th time, I'm sitting next to her and I'm whispering to myself in the Spirit. I'm saying, you know, I'm praying in the Spirit. And I'm just believing, you know what, God, you're going to do a miracle that I can't even speak English words for. You can do something, and, and it always encourages me. It always builds me up. That's what we see. The next scripture I have there in Jude 1.20, it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. If I can describe to you in one real quick clip why the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues is important is this. It builds the Spirit in you. If you've been struggling in your Christian walk, if you've been struggling in sin, if you've been struggling in patterns of lifestyles that you don't know how to get out of, if you've just been struggling to even have a passion to follow God, I'm telling you, the number one remedy for that, the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. When I am discouraged, I want to pray in the Spirit. When I don't know what to say, I want to pray in the Spirit. When I'm mad at God, I usually just end up praying in the Spirit so I don't say something stupid. Praying in the Spirit is this thing that brings me back to this place of being centered with God, and it actually builds the Holy Spirit within me. So that in the moments when the world comes and pushes against me, when grief is overwhelming, when loss, loss seems like you know it can't get any greater, something inside me is stronger than what is outside of me. That's the Holy Spirit. You know, I started this whole series on prayer in Ephesians 6, and this idea of this stance that God wants us to have in our lives, that we're supposed to be ready for what comes at us, that we put on this armor of God. Well, he ends that whole thing with Ephesians 6, saying, pray in the Spirit on all occasions, on at every time. There's this place where something within us needs to be built up. The Spirit that God has put in us needs to be built. And the only way that I have experienced how to see that happen is praying in the Spirit. I tell you what, when I'm faced with the most difficult decisions and I got to figure out what to do and I don't know what the next decision is, I don't spend a whole bunch of time, honestly, even reading the scripture or thinking it through. I just start praying in the spirit. 
I just start speaking in tongues. I'm not doing it in front of everybody. I'm by myself. I'm in my car sometimes. I'm alone. Whatever. I'm praying in the Spirit because I want to know that whatever decision I'm about to make has the Spirit at the forefront of it. And this gift is what that does for us. And so my encouragement to you today is this idea that there's this place where because this is a weird gift, because it's this inexplainable thing that that happens within us, it's easy for us to set it aside. But I want to read and kind of end on this note of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 and 14. And actually, at the end of 12, he says it as well. He says, verse 31, So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. We get to the verse, or chapter 14, verse 1, he says, Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives. See, there's this place where we're called to actually earnestly desire what God has for us to pursue it. One of the better descriptions, if you look into the the Greek words here, that desire, this earnestly desire, it means to run after it, to pursue it, to go and get it. And I think sometimes in Christianity, we have this idea, it's like, well, if God wants to do it, he'll do it. I'll just sit here and wait. But that's usually not the case. Usually God wants to see us wanting something, pursuing something, earnestly desiring something. And and when I think about the special abilities, the gift the Spirit has to give, this is what Paul says, we're called to desire it. So there's this place, and I think, and I'm speaking to mostly adults in this room, that this idea of speaking in tongues is one of the most difficult things for us to think about. Because it makes absolutely no sense. It's why I think it's one of the greatest gifts the Holy Spirit has. And the reason is this. Because speaking in tongues is an act of faith itself. You don't know what you're saying. It makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense to the person next to you. It would make no sense to try to explain it to anybody. But yet it's this gift that God gives us, and I think it actually teaches us faith. And as adults, to try and put our whole lives into faith, this place of, it's like uncertain trust. We know there's a guarantee of God to come through in life, but we also, it's this uncertainty within us. And so we put our trust in Him. That's faith, right? It's the same when it comes to speaking in tongues or praying in the Spirit. It's this place of going, okay, God, I have to somehow set aside my, my logic, my thinking, everything I've learned my whole life that make, that says this makes absolutely no sense. I have to set all these things aside and now pursue something that doesn't make sense. It's, an, it's a huge act of faith. And I think it's why Paul's writing this to the Corinthians. He's saying you need to earnestly desire these things. You need to pursue them. You need to run after them. And so today, this is where I kind of want to land on my encouragement. Now, listen, in the past, if you were here in the 90s, this would be the moment where I'd have you all stand and come forward, and I would probably start shouting out in tongues. But I'm not going to do that today.
because this is what I this is what I believe. I think we're supposed to individually earnestly desire this. Don't don't chase after something someone else is telling you to chase after. Ask God to help build a desire in you. This is my challenge. Every day this week, pray, get away, find a space. You know, I, I read a scripture a few weeks back where Jesus is describing prayer, and he says, go into your bedroom and close the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Do that. Get away, right? My, I made jokes. Get rid of your phone. Get rid of distractions. Give God 10 minutes and actually ask, Holy Spirit, give me this gift. Help me, help me to pursue this gift. Maybe your first prayer isn't that you're even sure you want it. Maybe you just say, God, help me earnestly desire the things you have. Grow a desire in me for everything you have, even if I don't understand it or I can't explain it. But God, grow something in me to pursue all that you have for me. That is what Christianity is. It's pursuing God in his fullness, not just the pieces that are convenient or comfortable or the parts we like. It's pursuing him in every way. And so I think that that's our job as a Christian. I can't, I can't just pray over you and kind of make something happen. But you, in a desire and in a pursuit for all God has, the Holy Spirit will give you gifts. Now there's this question. Is the gift of tongues for everyone? I want to say, make this distinction. I don't know if I believe that the gift of tongues, when it comes to publicly speaking a different language that someone else understands is, but I absolutely believe that every one of us has spiritual language in us. That the Holy Spirit lives in you, and if you want to let him talk, he will. So I think every one of us has that gift. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit. And if you want that Spirit to come and pray for you and through you to a Father who understands, that gift is available. And so my my admonishment this week is pursue it. Chase after it. Run after what God has for you. Pray every single morning. This is what I know about God and what we know about prayer. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Just keep knocking. I don't care how old you are and how many times you've been prayed for to receive this gift. Just start knocking again. Just start pursuing again. How about we stand this morning? I'm going to pray for all of you today. I'm going to pray that you go home and that something has awakened in your heart to say, God, I want more. Holy Spirit, I want more. Let me encourage you this one last thought about praying in tongues. If you have kids, you'll understand this. When you have children and they begin to utter anything, you're extremely excited. I mean, the first duh noise out of my kid's mouth. I'm going, oh look, they said dad. My wife's like, no, they, they, he spit. And you want to know what's, you know, they, you know, my parents, my parents right here, my kids call them Mima and Bipa. And it's because when our youngest, my young, my oldest nephew, who was the first of the grandchildren was born, he couldn't say grandpa and he started saying Bipa. You want to know what we never did? Correct him. We were never like, okay, Brian, can you just shut up until you get it right? 
We didn't correct him. We were like, oh, it's so cute. Look at he's trying to talk. You can't get speaking in tongues wrong because your Father in heaven just wants to hear you try. He wants to hear you utter something to him. He's not going to correct you and be like, hey, until you get it fully right, can you just stop? It's not like, hey, I'm going to teach you Spanish, but until you're completely fluent, don't try to say anything. It doesn't make sense. Your spiritual language is the same way. Just pursue it. God, give me something. Give me anything. Let me start to utter something to you. Let me, I'm just going to trust that these next things that come out of my mouth are your Holy Spirit praying. And it's easy when you're doing it and no one's around. No one can say you're crazy. But I encourage you, pursue it. I'm going to pray over you. And this is the other opportunity I wanted to give. So I'm going to pray over you today, and then we're just going to go. And I'm going to ask you to pray every day pursuing this gift. But tomorrow night is our prayer time from 7 to 8 p.m. We've been having an hour of prayer on Monday nights. It's been fantastic. Also, tomorrow night, just so you know, I think that the high school needs to practice in here. So we're going to be downstairs. So if you come in, go downstairs for prayer to our fellowship hall. But I want to take some time tomorrow night where we will lay hands on each other and pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit. So if you want to come to that, 7 to 8 p.m. tomorrow night. But I'm going to pray for you tonight or today to simply have this passion grow in you for God to, to, to stir up that, that there's more. <laughs> and for us to desire the fullness of what he has. So God, we just thank you. God, that you have more for every one of us. God, there's closer relationship to be had with you, God. And, and God, first, I even just repent that any way I've kind of held you at arm's length to say, well, I, I don't know if I want that. I don't know if I want that. Any, any way that I've kind of cherry-picked my relationship with you, God, I, I put my arms down today and I say, come in close with whatever you have for me, Jesus. God, whatever you have for me, Holy Spirit, whatever gift you want to speak out of me, whatever gift you want to flourish in me, whatever gift you want to grow in me, God, we give you permission today collectively, come into our lives in fullness. God, I pray right now that every person in this room, that, that a, a flame would be lit in their souls, a flame would be lit in their spirit to just say, God, I want everything you have. Help me to desire the gifts you have. Help me to desire what you want to do in me. And God, I just pray for your encouragement this week as they pursue those gifts, God. And I pray for testimony after testimony, story after story of your spirit showing up in power. So God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, I ask your blessing over every person in this room, every person online. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a blessed day. Thank you for coming. We'll see you next week and see you tomorrow night for prayer. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.